Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates, ready to go. OutKick 360 is back. Thursday edition is here with Chad Withrow. I'm Jonathan Hutton in New York. Paul Kuharski is in Indianapolis at the NFL Combine where he continues to crush it. We've got some great guests on tap today, including Dane Brugler of The Athletic, the best NFL draft analysis headed your way. That's coming up in 20 minutes. Looking forward to hearing uh, Paul chat with Dane Brugler. Again, that's coming up in 20 minutes from right now on OutKick 360. Cynthia Freeland, friend of the show. Uh, she was on with us at Super at the Super Bowl Radio Row, NFL Network. She will join us today from Radio Row at the NFL Combine. That's in the third hour of the program. And in between, Armando Salguero of Outkick.com joins Paul at our broadcast site in Indy. Chad, hope you're doing well. Good afternoon. Doing great, Hutton. We just had a nice, uh, productive lunch with some sports radio friends of ours yep. uh, at a, a nice spot called The Blue Dog, uh, which uh, I highly recommend here in New York City in Midtown, uh, which uh, great burger. And uh, I'm energized, fueled up, ready to go. Hell's Kitchen. Here we are. Hell's we were Kitchen. at Hell's Kitchen. PK in Indianapolis. Uh, Paul, have you made it to dinner with Dan Dockett yet? I have not. I, I haven't even attempted. I mean, he basically said that he's a homebody. And last night, um, they, they, they didn't forcibly remove people from uh, the work area here in Radio Row. And I probably could have gone upstairs, but at 7 o'clock, this area closed. And I went out into the hallway. You guys are familiar where uh, everybody basically has to walk down there, coaches, scouts. And many of the prospects. Um, and I did some work out there till about nine o'clock when I was going to order from Iarias, our favorite Italian yeah. place. Uh, I thought I'd ordered it. it. It would show up at my hotel right as I got home at nine nine fifteen, and uh, I got on their website and it closed at nine. So I ended up ordering uh, crappy, crappy Chinese. And then today <laughs> I walked um, over. I walked over to Chick Fil A, which isn't far away. It was a mob scene, not run as well as the Chick-fil-A's that we are more familiar with in the South, quite frankly. There were a billion people waiting for their orders, and so I had a couple slices of pizza. But then my sweet tooth got the best of me, and I'm like, well, there are only three people in line here. I could grab a couple cookies to eat on my way back. So I go up, I order the cookies, I pay, thinking that the woman's going to hand me the cookies. She does not hand me the cookies. I go stand to the side. I'm, I'm not kidding. They're... 20 people waiting for their orders and I quickly realize I'm 21st waiting for my number to be called it is 1238 and I have an interview at 1250 about 12 minutes away so there are two cookies waiting for uh, Paul K <laughs> over there wow so Paul this is now twice on our separate tr uh, trips where both you and I once a piece 
had to ditch Chick-fil-A. I did it at the airport, yeah, purchased right. it, that's had to go back to the security, week. threw a coffee and a chicken biscuit in the trash. You left your cookies there for someone else. And that is infuriating when it's something Chick-fil-A. you can reach back and hand to someone, but they just keep going instead of just doing that. that, that that's frustrating. They owe us. But I will say, Corey here, uh, it's as if he knows me because I love Reese's and I love chocolate-covered pretzels. And he has uh, Reese's with pretzels in them. So I was able to satisfy my sweet tooth. Well, Paul, I'm shocked that your Chinese food wasn't great because we know the long-standing tradition of great Chinese food in Indianapolis. It's really a staple (laughs) for Chinese food. So I'm shocked that it wasn't good when you ordered it in Indy. The dumplings were good. The fried rice, meh. Paul Kaharski with us uh, from Indy and a jam-packed lineup, including a mystery guest uh, from shows not that long ago, but shows of the past. Um, Stations of the past. Stations of the past. Paul told us who's coming on if you're a a, a fan of uh, Midday 180 uh, or Outkick 360. You will enjoy the mystery guest coming up uh, later in today's show. Paul, um, you had the quarterbacks on display yesterday. Wide receivers discussing things, uh, tight ends. Today, offensive tackles. Evan Neal um, is the only guy I've seen people talk about so far today because he was so impressive. First off, when you see him in person, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you did, six seven. I mean, the guy is lean, tall and lean um, at the left tackle position. And we had lunch with um, a radio station out of Jacksonville today. And uh, we were chatting it up about that number one overall pick. And it's either Evan Neal or Aiden Hutchinson who will be on display later this week. What, what did you think of Neal? And tell us kind of the buzz or maybe lack thereof in Indy today because it's, it's the offensive lineman rolling through. Yeah, Neal's an impressive guy. And, um, you know, the height is certainly showed off. Some of the guys sit, some of the guys stand behind the podium. Well, you can tell the difference when you're holding up your camera uh, to take a screenshot or to take a video and you can go, you know, maybe this high instead of, uh, you know, all the way up for a guy like me. Um, uh, Impressive, uh, impressive guy. But I think his competition for the top tackle, uh, and I think Dane Brugler is going to tell us that he's got competition for the top tackle based on what I've read. Uh, from Dane Icky, not not Icky Woods, but Icky Ekawomu, um, really was a big hit. Uh, has a bigger personality. Neil, very low key and kind of soft spoken. Icky, um, more uh, dynamic. So listen, this is strictly uh, a reporter and uh, a guy on a show who likes a uh, booming personality and a, and a loud quote. Uh, this guy was telling us about, uh, you know, this big moment in fifth grade where he finally, after working through some small parts and some productions, got the lead in 1,001 Dalmatians. What a big occasion this was for him in his life. And then how uh, in honors course, boys, not chorus, but honors course in high school, uh, he could sing bass and tenor, but sang tenor more often because he could hit the high notes that other guys weren't oh, wow. willing to go up there. Um 
he was big, he was a big, uh, big hit, and I think won a lot of uh, media admirers. In fact, a couple New York Post, a uh, couple New York writers walked away, and and the New York Post guy said, he officially has the endorsement of the New York Post to be the pick of the New York Jets. Paul is a thousand and one um, Dalmatians better than a hundred and one Dalmatians. Yeah, I upped it, uh, Chad. It wasn't. An, it wasn't enough. <laughs> that, I mean, that's that's a me. hell of a production. Uh, 101 Dalmatians was great, but a thousand and one yeah. sounds even better. I got to see this play. No, this was a big high school, Chad. <laughs> it was a big high school. They had a lot of people they gotcha. needed to get roles to. Gotcha. And it's all the more impressive that he won the lead in this production. Very inclusive. With that many more Dalmatians. Very inclusive in this yeah. play. They got everyone Please, involved. Don't don't correct me on. Okay, sorry. Yes. Don't ever correct me on show names. <laughs> I had to, Paul. I grew you up know, on you know me too well. I had to. <laughs> so we got Matt Corral really had his hands me, measured but, uh, today. Sound. Extremely uh, small hands. That that that's going to be the talk of uh, the, the NFL Combine today. Is Matt Corral's hand size, um, or was it Kenny Pickett? Kenny Pickett's it Kenny hand Pickett. size. It was yeah. Kenny Pickett. Um, Pickett. Pickett. Yeah, that's right. But Evan Neal deserves a, a little shout out here. The guy is six seven, weighed in at three hundred thirty seven pounds, and if you saw him at the podium, he looks like he weighs two fifty. Uh, it's it's insane. He does. Uh, he does not look like a 300-pounder better yet. Uh, what'd you say, 345? 337, I mean, I, yeah. I, I didn't get that number, 337. I didn't get that number till I sat back down at our table here after watching him over there. And if you asked me to guess, I, I wouldn't have gone 300. I mean, I might have thought myself into 300, but my eyes didn't tell me 300 by any means whatsoever. Couldn't remember being on the sideline before Alabama LSU. Yes. And we were in the end zone and Bill O'Brien was working with the Alabama offensive lineman and we both marveled <laughs> at the physical specimens he's, that the Alabama offensive line Evan Neal Evan being Neal, one of them but he's so just athletic. enormous um, and you're right they don't look fat at all. No. The, 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 these guys don't look like they have an ounce of fat on them either. He looked like he could run and, and play four quarters in the NBA. I mean, uh, it, it's for his size. And uh, when you see some of the, the feats of athleticism that he does in these box jumps and other things, it's, it's crazy. It's him or Aiden Hutchinson, it sounds like, for Jacksonville. And another conversation we were having today at lunch, Paul, um, and I'm sure it's there too. This is not just a, it's not just a, a bad year to have the number one overall pick. Um, it's it's a year where you can't even really trade it. It's it, quarterbacks aside, there's not a Jadavian Clowney in this draft that is hands down the best player in the NFL draft. And Jacksonville sits at number one, and they've got options, but there's no clear cut option that they have to go a certain direction. That they're they're either going to put someone opposite Josh Allen at defensive end, or they're going to draft offensive tackle and protect Trevor Lawrence at both left and right side, depending on what they end up doing with Cam Robinson. I, I don't think they're franchise tagging Cam Robinson. They could re-sign him. Uh, but nonetheless, this is a year where Jacksonville, uh, I know they would love to trade the pick. I don't know if there's anyone that's worth jumping up to number one to pay the price to go get. No, no, I don't think so. I mean, if you were jumping up, you'd be going to get the same guys that they're considering yeah. who are – you know, the two or three best guys in the draft. I will say this. I mean, it seems disappointing. We all want skilled players and quarterbacks and everything. But, um, and I think I said this with Dan Dockich this morning, if I told you, Hut, you were the Jaguars, uh, if I told you this prior to last year, and I said, mm -hmm. you could have a guy that's a generational quarterback one year, and the next year you could have a left tackle that could protect him for 10 years. 
I think you might say okay to that. You know, because in the second round this year, you might get the speedy receiver that Jacksonville desperately needs. But like if I get said to you, here's your deal, you stink. And in the next two years with first round picks, you get the generational quarterback and the left tackle who's going to pr protect him for the next 10 years. You could do worse than that. Well, you can do you better. Do worse Just ask the that. Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, you could do better. Yeah. Well, yeah, the Bengals did better. But if they wind up, let's say they wind up with an A.J. Brown type of talent yeah. with the first pick of the second round, then in those three picks, you've come out pretty good. And they've already got a pretty good pass rusher in, in Allen. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's a completely raw deal. Now, if they had had two drafts in a row that didn't have a, a top quarterback at the beginning, you're really screwed. They did have another draft like this, though, right, where they took Luke Jokel. I can't remember if he yes, was first. It was Fisher right. and Jokel. So, but, I mean, they're at the top all the time, though. So the fact that they get two years <laughs> like that, well, they get, they've had ten years, right, where they're in the top five. So, you know, two of them are years where Fisher and Jokel and, and now two tackles again are at, at the top. I got to read you guys this tweet. This, this to me, has been the o most entertaining thing of, of the day. On, uh, you know, uh, offensive lineman and running back day. All right. Ross Tucker, yes. who's a, a very clever guy, on Kenny Pickett's hands, tweets out, Kenny Pickett's hands are way too small for him to play in a cold-weather NFL city like Pittsburgh. And the world has taken this tweet seriously. Half of the world agreeing with him, like Deshaun Vaughn, somebody responds, Michael Vick literally played in Philadelphia and launched bombs on a consistent basis. Your hand size arguments are dumb. Not acknowledging that Kenny Pickett played his college career in Pittsburgh. And other people are calling Ross Tucker an idiot for not knowing that Kenny Pickett played his college <laughs> career in Pittsburgh, which he very clearly knows. There's a brilliant tweet it by Ross Tucker pointing out that the guy played in cold weather. He did fumble the ball too much, which is something he can work on, but he has experience playing in cold weather. Throughout his college career, he played in one of America's cold weather football cities, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which is a place he might end up in the NFL. Paul, it's a great social experiment also, uh, much like when I tweeted out that it would Absolutely. be good for Vanderbilt if James Franklin left, and it could be bad for <laughs> Vanderbilt if James Franklin left, just to see great the reaction. Experiment. Uh, I, I, was, I had that noted, so I'm glad you brought that up because that was the funniest tweet of the day with people not understanding his sarcasm Paul, what he's writing. Let, let's, let's go back and, and take our, our listeners through a path of the Jake Locker draft where accuracy was at the forefront there. That is far more important than hand size. But the, the, the Kenny Pickett hand size is going to lead all headlines today. I hope it's tamped down a little bit because we've covered it leading up to this. I think the <laughs> measurement is about what people who are into this expected. There's been a lot of people coming out saying Michael Vick had this. Uh, who was it last year? Burrow. Um, who Burrow. joked about it. All right, yeah, my career's retire. over. I guess I better hang <laughs> it up. Yeah. Um, so I, I think smart people have done well to minimize this, and the small hands are an issue for certain quarterbacks. Um, but I don't think it's an issue uh, for him. Uh, now, now what's becoming big, and I expect to see an article on this today or tomorrow, boys, an article comparing, which I haven't seen, 
uh, the NCAA football to uh, the NFL football, which is slightly bigger. I want to know how much slightly bigger. So let's see a high-tech graphic overlay of a nine and what? <laughs> three-quarter-inch hand over an NCAA football versus over an NFL football and the difference that that will make, which we know will be minor. You'd rather he have a a slightly bigger hand. He doesn't, and uh, you move forward with the knowledge that you have. I think more you would go look at every one of his turnovers at Pitt and conclude how many of those are a result of his inability to hold the ball with his teeny tiny hand, <laughs> and how many of those are a result of a defender making a great play, or him making a bad decision in the moment, or, or whatever. You know, and if there are more than a few ticks in the box for small hands, then maybe, you know, that eliminates him for you, and you go, he goes on to the next team. There was exactly one, one wide receiver who participated in the bench press today. <laughs> And the, the one thing that I think is just ridiculous is they have every single receiver go to the microphone and announce that they are not going to do the bench press and why they're not doing it. Like they're in kindergarten. Yeah, my own having, choice. Having to go, you know, and, and, and announce like, uh, you know, I, I, I did this and I'm ashamed. You know, it's ridiculous. And uh, the it's one guy, true. the reason why they're not doing it is because they're working out. Correct me if I'm wrong, Paul. They don't want to bench and then go work out on, you know, hand drills. And they've combined them on the same day this year. That's, the, that's what I was reading. Is I, that's why they have opted out of the bench press, which, I mean, do we really need to see uh, Mechie do 13 no. presses? Absolutely not. It's, he, al- it's also, Hutton, kind of the, uh, the NFL combine version of the, the uh, walk of shame. Right. You know, where they're standing right. shame, you're walking up, head down, and saying, no, Chad Withrow, sore pecs. <laughs> Just walking right. away. Yeah. Like, what's your reason for not doing it? No. It's, it's ridiculous. Hunt, I think you're dead on. I think you're dead on. And uh, this shaming part, we have to walk up. Uh, I'm, you know, across the room, so I hear these guys. They walk up and they say, <laughs> personal choice. It, right. Basically, right. I'm not lifting out a personal choice. Then once in a while you hear a guy say, uh, shoulder. You know, I, I, I've got an issue. Um, but I think it's another reason that agents uh, could lean in time to not having their guys come come to this at all and just do pro days. Uh, there's no reason guys should have to do that. And I do think some of it is that they don't want to do everything in one day. So if you're expected to bench and run and jump all in, in, in the same day, it doesn't make much sense to physically exhaust your, yourself uh, with the bench press and then go do things that involve uh, the same muscle group that right. are, are, are more important. That makes total to, sense. And, and I'm also to how you're going to be judged. And we saw the report earlier this week, but the NFL has finally come to the grips of the fact they're going to have to pay guys to go to the combine. You know that, that reports right. out where the NFL knows moving forward there's going to be a payment to prospects to go to the combine because, oh, that's right, it's an event that makes a ton of money for the NFL, and if they're going to be asked to perform and do something. They are now getting ready for the NFL. They're going to get a paycheck to go do it. That's the inevitable future of this thing. Paul? I, I'm completely uh, moved to the bandwagon of pay players for being here, and I'm sick of watching volunteers. There should be nobody working here for free. There should be nobody working at the Super Bowl for free. These people are suckers, but the league can at least pay minimum wage for, for that stuff. 
PK um, is going to have Dane Brugler sit down in a matter of minutes. Looking forward to that, chap. Hand size and you know bench press aside, we're getting to the nuts and bolts of what this NFL draft is all about. One of the best analysts out there, Dane Brugler of The Athletic, with Kuharski when we return. In the meantime, Hunt's going to measure my hands during the break. We'll yeah, get a very large accurate, hands. Uh, accurate assessment. Big hands, Chad, over over to my left well, here. It's probably close to Kenny Pickett, size, honestly. Outkick 360, excited to partner with Aurora Nutriscience, a trusted partner that keeps us mentally sharp and healthy. Aurora delivers your supplements where you need them the most, your body. You're seeing VitaLifeScience.com right now, V-I-D-A-LifeScience.com. This is where you can see more information, and our Outkick 360 season ticket holders receive a 15% discount with the code OUTKICK360. Typical pills, capsules, not well absorbed. In fact, most are only absorbed in small, very small amounts. Here's Aurora, unique cutting-edge nutritional and absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes that ensure greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. I use the vitamin C, the vitamin D3, glutathione, so many more to choose from at VitaLifeScience.com. Again, 15% off with the code OUTKICK360 at VitaLifeScience.com. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The Seahawks have no plans of trading Russell Wilson. The Dolphins have no plans of trading for Deshaun Watson. We'll hit those headlines coming up on the show today. Outkick 360 rolls on. Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton in New York. And as we head back to Indy, we say hello to Paul Kaharski and friend of the show, Dane Brugler, who, uh, let's say, let's put it this way, the detail and scope of his draft analysis at The Athletic is second to none. And there's a reason why. His draft guide is called The Beast. Let's head back to Indianapolis. Here's Koharski at the Combine. Thanks so much, Dane. I know how busy you are. Appreciate you sitting down with us and keeping up our annual tradition. No, of course. Always. It's, that's not the Combine until I get a chance to meet with you. So oh, well, works that's, out. that's great. So there's no big star power at the top of this draft. There's no giant personality filling up that room around the corner. What's the story so far? What's filling the vacuum or what do you anticipate by the end of this will? Maybe the top storyline is the fact that there aren't obvious storylines. Yeah. You know, it's just that we don't have that this year, and it makes for an interesting draft. Every draft has its own identity, um, with uh, the players and you know what teams are looking for. The top of this draft is just different than most uh, top tens that we usually see. We don't have necessarily the star power that we usually see. Aiden Hutchinson, one of the best players, if not the best player in the draft. Does he go top 10 last year? You know, probably not. Um, and, and so it's just a really fascinating year to have a top 10 pick. Uh, but with that said, the depth, I think, in uh, you know the late first, second, third round, that's as strong as you know you, it usually is in most drafts. And so uh, it, it's a good year if you have a pick in, the, in that range where you can add starters, get better as a football team. So you mentioned Hutchinson. He's yeah. He's not Miles Garrett. No. He's not Chase Young. Not the Bosa's. Who is he? Uh, he? He. You do see a little bit of the Bosa's because of just the maniacal way they get after the quarterback. 
Um, they just don't. Ha- he doesn't have the same arc acceleration, the same bend. But where I think you do see a little bit of similarities, the the handwork. I mean, he understands how to break down the rhythm of blockers with the way he uses his hands. He is ready for the NFL in that respect, and so I, I, he's going to test really well here. You know, talk, talking to some people that he's training with, Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, the length is not what you want. He's got shorter arms, but his agility drills, his testing, uh, all that data is going to be off the charts here at the combine, and I, I think it just it's going to solidify for a lot of teams that he is the top prospect this year. He'll be in the mix for number one with the Jaguars. And if he doesn't go one, I have a hard time thinking he's going to fall past the Lions at number two. What's the space between him then and Thibodeau and Karloftis? Yeah, and I, I mean, I would throw, um, you know, this pass rusher class, it's the strongest position this year. And so I think Hutchinson's one, and then that, who's that number two pass rusher? It's it's a little bit up in the air. I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau's a really talented player. The get-off, um, you know, his ability to uh, put pressure on the quarterback, uh, but he's he's not beloved by every team. You know, a lot, a lot of teams are, they want to know, hey, do you do you love football or are you more concerned with the brand? Um, you know, We you, talked to him at the Super Bowl. He likes the brand. He does, and, and that's something that, you know, there are plenty of really good players in the NFL that care about their brand. You know, there's a lot of players in the NFL that uh, are, are the best players at their position that, you know, care about things outside of football and, you know, have a, a business acumen in terms of, you know, making money based off of uh, themselves. Um, so it, it's, but this is a job interview, this whole process. And, the interviews here for Thibodeau will be huge in terms of selling a team that, hey, I want to be the best football player I can be. Do I care about, you know, my cryptocurrency and, you know, my marketing deals and all that? Yes, I do, but not more than being the best football player I can be. So this will be a big opportunity for Thibodeau to show that when he gets FaceTime with teams uh, throughout the week. But even after him, I think it's, it's you know, you look at David Ajabo from Michigan, Jermaine Johnson, Florida State, Trevon Walker from Georgia, who's one of my favorite players this year, uh, and then throw Carl Loftus in there as well. It's a really good uh, pass rush group. All, all six of those, five, six of those guys should be off the board in the first, you know, 20 picks. What um, running back, I, I wrote down Spiller, yeah. Hall, Walker. Mm-hmm. It, are, is, is any one of those guys have any, could a team have any justification for looking at them or anybody else in the first round? If there's a running back in this class that should go in the first um, or, you know, has an argument to go in the first, to me it's Walker, Kenneth Walker. With what he did this year for Michigan State, his ability to set up uh, his moves and force missed tackles is so impressive. He, he doesn't do it with just power, doesn't do it with just quickness. He does it with his vision, with his tempo, uh, and the way he attacks the defense. So if, if there is a running back that you can make an argument for, I think it's Walker. This will be a big week for him, not necessarily for the 40 and all the testing things, but I want to see how he catches the ball. He was targeted, I think, 15 times uh, at Michigan State. Just wasn't that wasn't a big part of how they used him. So it's not that he can't catch. It's just we don't know uh, without you know a shadow of a doubt that he can. That's a big part of his game. So how he catches the ball here at the combine, I think that'll that'll be a big thing for Walker in terms of bolstering that argument that hey, I should be the first running back off the board, and uh, I should be a guy you consider late first round. But this is a running back class that it'll stretch a little bit after those three guys. I really like Tyler Algier from BYU, um, and Kyron Williams from Notre Dame. You know, it's going to be a really good third down back in this league. So depending on what you what you want, uh, the running back class, I think you could afford to wait in this group and you still get a pretty good player. Okay, so the biggest lack of shine is clearly quarterback. Yeah. Um, first off, what do you think about the temptation? Like there have been years where we've said, well, quarterbacks don't look very good. But, right, right. But – 
the desperate quarterback team is yeah. going to do it anyway. I, I'm not getting that sense here that somebody's going to force it. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think ultimately that happens or that teams stay within reason and draft these guys somewhat? I know they get adjusted up no matter what. How far is the adjustment up? I think a lot will depend on how the next few weeks go. You know, do we see any trades? Do we see any, you know, the free agency market? Um, you know, how does the quarterbacks that are already in the league, uh, you know, that carousel, how does that play itself out? Because um, if say, say we just don't see a lot of movement, uh, you know, Russell Wilson stays put, and um, you know, even a Jimmy Garoppolo they, with the, his injury, he's staying put, uh, or you know, the 49ers just aren't getting the deal that they want. Some teams are going to get you know a little little desperate more so than they already are um, when they look for okay we have to do something at the quarterback position and that will push up some of these guys and I, I you could talk to five different teams and get five different opinions on who's the who's the the best quarterback in this draft and who's going to be the guy three years from now um, I, I think the over under I'll put it at ten overall in terms of where's that first quarterback going to go you know could we see a Carolina at six or a, a Denver at nine go quarterback. It's possible, um, but I think the most likely spot is probably 11 with uh, Washington. Uh, with, uh, you know, they, uh, Kenny Pickett to me from Pitt is the most ready to play and a guy ready to step in and not only, you know, start, but help you win football games. So if I'm, you know, doing a mock draft right now, Kenny Pickett is the first quarterback off the board at number 11 uh, to the commanders. And then, and then it'll get interesting. Malik Willis, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of intrigue with him because of you know what he could be in three years. Uh, he's not he's not ready. He really shouldn't see the field next year as a rookie. But when you think about where he could be with his skill set, uh, it, it's easy to see why you'd be optimistic about Malik Willis. How do you stack the rest from there? How many in the in the first or maybe I, I, I say the first? I mean, if you're drafting one in the early second, you're probably trading into the first right, right to get the fifth year. Right. Yeah, that, that's fair. Um, I, I think after those two, um, I, I probably lean Matt Corral at that point. But you know, he's uh, he's got his own things he's working through. Um, Size-wise, he's not very big. You know, in the spring he was under 200 pounds. Um, now he's probably 205, 210, somewhere in there. Um, one thing that I do like about Corral is talking to his teammates. They all mention how tough he is. Like, there's just there's no question about his toughness. They, 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 you ask him who's the toughest guy in that Ole Miss team, Matt Corral, which you don't usually hear the quarterback. So uh, that, that's something that Matt, will help Matt Corral throughout the process. Um, Desmond Ritter, you know, he's played a lot of football. I think 43 and 6 as a starter at Cincinnati. Uh, he's done a lot of great things at the college level. Uh, a little sporadic with his accuracy, and that's kind of the with the hang up with him. Why you can't just you like him, but you can't love him just with that. Uh, you know, at least from my perspective, and that's how a lot of teams feel too. So, I think at some point in the top fifty, you know, early second round, mid second round, um, that's when it, teams will really look at these quarterbacks and say, you know, it's it's worth a dart throw here. It's, it's, let's roll the dice and see what we can get. That's my Titans aside on Ritter, obviously, with the fickle, Vrabel connection. Yeah. And I think maybe, you know, if Tannehill doesn't doesn't do it this final year, they can get out of it next year, not cheaply, but more cheaply, $18 million. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if Ritter is a good enough prospect, no matter how much intel Vrabel can get from his good, good friend, right. if he's a guy that you could see as potentially better than Tannehill. Yeah, I don't. You know, obviously not not this year, not as a rookie. But you know, if we're, we're talking at some point during his rookie contract, I, you know that that's at least 
a feasible scenario. You know, that's something that you could, if you get the right value with Ritter, whether that's a second round or third round, um, if you if that's where you feel comfortable drafting him, I, I think it would make some sense because you want you want to bring competition in that room. You know, you want to uh, you know bring some new life into that room. And I think a guy like Desmond Ritter, who's played a lot of football, who's one of the most confident quarterbacks you'll ever meet, um, and has a lot of a lot of the traits that you look for, uh, again, just needs to be a little more in tune with some of the mechanics and some of the accuracy. But I, I think he could get there. He's a, you know, he's a, he's a really easy player to like. Does Iki Ekwanu have a chance to overtake Evan Neal here to be the top tackle? Boy, I, I, I mean, they were both really impressive oh, ta- yeah. talking in there. Ekwanu, I didn't know anything about. He's talking about musical theater in <laughs> elementary school and right. how he got the lead part in 1001 Dalmatians in it was a huge moment in his life i mean he was he's he's so interesting and you know my my so i've done two mock drafts so far far uh one was in december one was right after the senior bowl and i put icky at number one and in my in my mock draft and i tell you what i i did no one had done it at that point and so i was a little bit out there such a pioneer but well i knowing watching his film and talking to him knowing more about him i felt you know, like that's absolutely a possible scenario that could happen. Sure. Uh, I don't think the Jaguars know what they're going to do at number one yet, so we don't know. But when you look at the possibilities, there's no reason why Equanu shouldn't be in the mix. Um, you know, he's a guy that played tackle guard, really explosive, uh, the best run def- run blocker in this class. And as in pass protection, he made huge strides from last year to this year uh, in terms of just getting better with, uh, you know, he still oversets at times, uh, needs to get better technically, but his movements, his body control, and then once he gets his hands on you, it's over. Uh, he, he's, he's, he's an awesome guy, really smart, really sharp. Uh, but on the football field, he's, he's got that killer instinct, but uh, Evan Neal's a really good, really good prospect too. Um, he's not as consistent as a run blocker, uh, but you know, just really solid in pass protection. He's probably the uh, safer pick. You know, like if you, you just really know what you're getting with him. But I think Ikwanu has the higher ceiling. Um, in, in my opinion, Aiden Hutchinson's the best player in the draft. Iki Ikwanu is number two. Uh, so I think he's absolutely in that conversation to uh, come off the board of number one. Wide receiver depth, it seems like every year now, yeah, just it's a, it's presume. A yearly thing. Yeah. Presume. Right. But maybe not a singular guy who's Jamar Chase and deserves to go right. that that high. Um, who's the best of the lot for starters? It, it, for my money, it's Garrett Wilson um, from Ohio State. Not the biggest guy. He's you know, 5'10 and a half, 190. But uh, what really separates him is how he can get open before and after the catch. You know, it, that, when it comes down to it, that's what you're looking for at the receiver position. Can you get open? Can you create afterwards? Uh, and that's what he does. So Garrett Wilson, for me, is the top receiver. After that, um, you know, I, I think there's really six receivers that you would consider taking top 25. Uh, so it's a really top-heavy group this year. Uh, Traylon Burks is, is the number two guy for me from Arkansas. Uh, a Debo, or a linebacker size, Debo Samuel. And I've, I've been saying that before the Debo comps became came all the rage uh, the last few months. but uh, You can't get people to stop talking about I, I Debo know, Samuel. I know. Right I, and I, I almost I need to stop stop saying that uh, about my comp for Burks because, yeah, it's become cliche at this point. But uh, he's just a you know, 6'3", 225 linebacker, you know, but he's going to run in the low 4.5s, high 4.4s. Four um, SEC is a pretty good conference, and uh, he led the SEC in explosive plays, plays of 20-plus yards. So uh, he, he has that in him uh, to uh, not only be a chain mover but be a home run hitter as well. So uh, needs a, 
add some refinement to his routes and, uh, you know, because they use them a lot in the slot and some motions and things like that. Just get the ball in his hands. But, uh, you know, I, I think when you're going to bet on traits, Traylon Burks has the type of traits you want to bet on. And so, uh, and then Jamison Williams from Alabama, if he, if not for the ACL, I mean, we, we were really robbed of seeing him run here at the Combine because he was going to run low 4-3s, 4-2s. Um, if as long as the doctors say, hey, you know, two thumbs up, the injuries, the, the knee is uh, progressing well, should be fully healthy at some point midseason, I would have no problem taking Jameson Williams as one of the first three receivers, top 15 pick. He is that talented, that explosive, more than just speed. I mean, that, that's, real, that's his trump card, but more so than that. I mean, he can uh, manipulate coverage uh, with his tempo. Uh, not the most natural hands catcher, but not a ton of drops. I mean, he's got good ball skills. So Jameson Williams, to me, um, if not for that injury, we'd be talking more about him as wide receiver one. Who are the other three in the top six? Uh, after that, just take them off. Drake London from USC, who you know is a certain type of receiver, um, you know, really good in contested situations and uh, more of a chain mover than anything. Um, it's just a really solid player. Uh, Chris Olave from Ohio State, who will do really well here. Uh, he's, it, I wish he would give you a little bit more after the catch. But he's so smooth at getting open, um, and he's going to run a 4-3 here. So Chris Olave is an easy player to like. And then Jahan Dotson, who should also run a 4-3 here uh, from Penn State. Arguably the best uh, ball skills in this draft. Uh, he, he's, he's a guy that when the ball's in the air, even though he's not the biggest guy, he's you know 5'11", uh, about a buck, buck 80, uh, so not, not a big guy. But when the ball's in the air, he finds a way to go get it. So uh, Jahan Dotson, absolutely worthy of being a first-round pick. Um, but if, it, if he gets pushed down to the late first, early second, team going to get great value with him. I know there's no Kyle Pitts, no. but how good is the tight end class and how many guys that actually play two ways? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think there should be a tight end in this class drafted first round. Maybe not even top 50. It's just not that group. Um, but I, I do think it's a really deep group. So we're going to see probably four or five go day two and then fourth, fifth round. That's where we're going to see a, a bulk of these tight ends come off the board. So it's a position where you can afford to wait a little bit. Uh, but if you did want to go in that direction at the top, uh, I think you know you can make an argument between Greg Dulcich from UCLA, who will be the most explosive tight end here, uh, Trey McBride uh, from Colorado tremendous State. Tremendous hair, Dulcich. He does. He absolutely does. And he's he's uh, very personable. Very uh, brings a lot of energy. So he's he's fun to talk to. Uh, former walk on. So I mean he's he's used to kind of overcoming things and uh, you know working his way up. Um, Jeremy Ruckert from Ohio State, who won't be working out here because of his foot, but he's also in that mix. So, you know, there's some really talented tight ends. Kate Otten from Washington is another one uh, who, again, won't be working out because he had a foot. First major injury in his career. Um, and unfortunately, he, he, he might have that discount sticker on him because of, that, because of that foot injury, but he's a really good player. He's a top five tight end in this class. And if you get him third, fourth round, it'll be an absolute steal. I know there's there's an injury involved, but how does Derek, Sting, Derek Stingley explain to teams here the last two years as they're salivating over his 2019 season? You know, it's, it's strange. If you flip the 2019 and 2021 seasons, he's the, he's the first pick. He yeah. goes to the Jaguars number one. Um, but, yeah, you're right. He has to, you know, have the right answers for – it's not, not as simple as I was hurt. You know, it's he, he did play, I think, like nine games uh, the last two years, so he was on the field. Um, it just – he didn't have the same impact. And that entire LSU defense was impacted by the losses they suffered after that national championship winning team uh coaches uh, you know changing the coaching staff all that factors in but for stingley you're right the interview process is going to be huge I, you know he talking to scouts about him he's just he's not an alpha and 
that's that, you know that, that that's okay. You know, you don't have to be the loudest guy in the room to play corner at a high level in the NFL. But uh, you know, are you if you're going to be drafted top five, top ten, that's a lot of pressure, and you need to go to an NFL locker room and prove yourself as being worthy of that and, and be a, a number one corner early in your career. And so there, there are questions about whether or not he can do that. Uh, so Stingley has a lot to prove here. It won't be working out, but injury-wise, uh, so the medicals be big, and then the interview process. That, that's going to be huge for Derek Stingley in terms of where he fits in this corner uh, mix. I, I think Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati, he's up there. Uh, Trent McDuffie from Washington is one of my favorite players in the draft. So the corner is a competitive position in the first round. And Stingley, he's trying to figure out where he belongs and it'll be different from team to team based on the interviews. Last one before I let you go. How high can Kyle Hamilton go? You know, a lot of people think like, hey, even the greatest safety is not impactful enough to spend X pick on him. Right, and that's why I think different teams look at it differently. They'll have different philosophies on how early to draft a safety. And and it's with Kyle Hamilton, he's not just a safety because of how he impacts. He can you know walk down in the box. He can cover uh, the slot receiver. He can play single high. He can play split safety. He can he can do all these things. And that versatility is one of the reasons that makes Kyle Hamilton such a talented player. So I think if you're going to draft a guy like that, uh, you have to your defensive coordinator has to be on board with how you're going to use him because the hybrid nature of his skill set is what makes him so special and so you you can't don't just plug him in at one spot you have to be able to use him in different spots um but he could be a playmaker he's one of the smartest guys here um one of the most smartest uh, the athleticism off the charts so uh, there's a lot of reasons why uh you know you want to add him to your football team the value has to be right though so i think you look at the texans sitting there at three maybe that's the earliest i could see him going but uh, probably more likely he's going somewhere between you know 6 and 12 in that range. If you're going to read one resource for the draft, it's got to be The Beast by Dane Brugler at The Athletic. What is the release date of this massive document? I, I always shoot for that first week in April, um, but it's it's a living document, so when it's done, it's done. Uh, living document, like the Constitution. <laughs> exactly. No, that's what it is. It's, uh, it's uh, uh, longer than the Constitution, that's for sure, but uh, no, if, I've never had someone come up to me and say, you know what, there just wasn't enough detail in that thing. Uh, yeah. it, that's never happened to me, so and that, that's the goal, to make sure it never happens. Well, that's so. uh, a Something to be proud about, Hut. I know you're looking forward to it like I am. Back to you guys. Yeah, no doubt about that, Paul. The Beast is the best from Dane Brugler at The Athletic. Great stuff there in Indy. When we come back from New York, we discuss the Southeastern Conference. Results last night on the hardwood and how that impacts the final game of the regular season, preparing for the conference tournament. This is Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Here's how the SEC basketball tournament will look, seeding-wise, if all of the home betting favorites win on Saturday. Outkick 360 rolls on. Auburn won last night, Chad. But that doesn't, mean, that doesn't mean they're the lock for the number one seed in the SEC tournament. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty simple and also pretty confusing at the same time. So Auburn last night clinched at least a share of the SEC title. 
they clinch an outright SEC regular season title with a win on Saturday at home against South Carolina. If Auburn, which I do not see happening, but if Auburn were to fall on their face, lose at home to South Carolina, if Tennessee, who will be a slight favorite over Arkansas at home, and Arkansas is the hottest team in America, much less the SEC, but if Tennessee beats Arkansas, Tennessee is your SEC champion, virtue of the tiebreaker with Auburn, both with the same amount of losses, Tennessee winning that one head-to-head. But if everything, if chalk happens this weekend, it will be Auburn one, and this is all by tiebreaker scenario with Arkansas, Tennessee, and Kentucky tied for second at that point. Tennessee, by virtue of tiebreaker, would be two, Arkansas three, winning head-to-head against Kentucky, Kentucky four. That's how it would break out if, uh, if chalk happens. And there's your double buys. Those are your double buys. And look, for SEC tournament in Tampa purposes outside of matchup, where those teams are going to play on Friday, that's the big deal. Getting the top four seed, getting the double bye, that is the biggest advantage to winning an SEC tournament championship is getting those two games out of the way early where you're not playing until Friday. And the Vols with a chance to go unbeaten at home. Yeah, it's a big one. It's going to be a Checker-Thompson Bowling Arena game against Arkansas. Arkansas uh, was behind for a good portion of last night's game against LSU. They find a way to win again. Arkansas, I said before, is hottest team in it. the country. Uh, they lost in late December, early January. They'd lost five or six games or four or five games at one point. Lost at home to Vandy to open up SEC play. And here they are, hottest team in the country, coming into this game in Knoxville. It's going to be a great atmosphere again. Uh, the number of games here late for Tennessee has been a rocking atmosphere in Knoxville. And we're going to see that again on Saturday with SEC championship possibly some implications there for the Vols. Still a lot on tap for today's show. Armando Salguero will join us. That's in 25 minutes uh, from Outkick.com. He'll join Paul at the NFL Combine. Cynthia Freeland from NFL Network will do the same. That will be at 5.20 Eastern this afternoon. Looking forward to that chat. When we come back, NFL news and notes, both from Indy and across the league, where the Texans are trying to trade Watson. Are there any buyers? We'll discuss on Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network.